Good morning. morning. Thank you for being here today. We're grateful for your presence. We hope and pray that our time together benefits you as a Christian. If you are here today and you're not a member of the church, we're very thankful that you've chosen to come our way. And we want to encourage you to give consideration to the church here at Olive Branch, to the Church of Christ. We're very grateful for all the opportunities afforded us in this community. We hope and pray that we exercise the opportunities before us to the best of our ability. Hope you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. It's been great to have time to just reflect upon some of our great blessings in this life, to spend time with family and friends. And I know that we've had some tough times in recent days, and we've got some who are battling illness, some who are battling back from accidents, and we want to remember them in our prayers, those who have lost loved ones. Holidays are always a tough time, and so we want to remember those who have lost loved ones and gone before us. I want to direct your attention today to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be talking about the life of Jesus, a servant leader. I know that you would agree with me that we are to follow in the footsteps of Christ, The song we sang a moment ago, O to be like thee. The goal of every Christian is to be Christ-like. You remember Peter said many years ago that Jesus left us an example that we should follow in His steps. The Lord Jesus left some big shoes to fill. I don't know of anyone who has the ability to fill His shoes. But I do believe that we have the opportunity and privilege to follow in His steps, to try to live a Christ-like life on a daily basis. So what about Jesus, the servant leader? Did you know that if you are a child of God, number one, you are to be a servant? Now that's a voluntary servanthood, of course. We choose to become a servant of the Lord, to become one of His slaves. But then also, as a child of God, not only are we to be a servant, but I think we're to be a leader as well. Whether we're young or old, male or female, we are all to be leaders in the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to occupy maybe a special position. For example, Not everyone's going to be an elder, a deacon, a preacher, teacher, etc. But we all lead in certain ways, certain venues, if you please, in this life. For example, a mother. A mother is the guide of the home, according to Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 5. She's a leader. She is well equipped to handle those duties. She is the Beethoven of the home, isn't she? And we're grateful for motherhood and those who wear that title. So what does it mean to be a servant leader, particularly as we look at the life of Christ? Well, number one, when you look at the life of Jesus and as you contemplate the fact that He was the ultimate, the pinnacle of a servant leader, first and foremost, His servanthood, His leadership impacts our attitude. Now Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he would say, let this mind be in you or have this mind in you. 
to develop the mind of Christ, to think as Christ thinks. Christ did. Now, there are two things that stand out in my mind. Number one, Jesus demonstrated servant leadership, leadership in the realm of His attitude. Well, how so? Number one, His submissive spirit. Now, the Bible tells us that Christ emptied Himself and took upon Himself the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men, and found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself, now note, and became obedient unto death. Yes, even the death of the cross. When Jesus came to earth, His goal was ultimately to fulfill the will of the Father. You remember, for example, at the age of 12, when Jesus was in Jerusalem, and He said to His parents on one occasion, I must be about my Father's business. Well, what was that business? had to do with redemption, didn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ came to earth clothed in human flesh for the express purpose of fulfilling the will of Almighty God. You remember, for example, Jesus would say in John 6 at verse 38, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Or what about in John chapter 8 at verse 29? When Jesus would say to the Jews of His day, I always do those things that please Him. Again, underscoring His submissive spirit. In John 17, in verse 5, In the shadow of the cross, Jesus said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. When the Lord Jesus struggled with the weight of the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Bible tells us, that he looked to the cross with joy. And I think the reason is because he understood what the cross would accomplish on our behalf. But as Jesus struggled with the weight of the cross in the garden, he tempered his prayer by saying, not my will, but your will be done. So if we're going to have the attitude that Jesus demonstrated as a servant leader, first and foremost, he had a submissive spirit. But then secondly, a sacrificial spirit. The Bible says that Jesus became obedient unto death. Yes, even the death of the cross. Now Paul prefaced that statement by saying he counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Now we talk about making sacrifices in this life. And there are sacrifices that all of us make from time to time. In the realm of stewardship as a child of God, we've got to be mindful of our time, don't we? To understand that we sacrifice our time for the cause of Christ. Why? Because time is a precious commodity. Jesus would say in John chapter 9, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. At some point in time, life will come to an end. Our time here will be done. So we got to make wise usage of our time. Some of that time is spent 
in sacrifice to the cause of Jesus Christ. That's not wasting time. Paul would say, redeem the time. So, we sacrifice our time as the Lord Jesus did. And then we sacrifice our treasures. Imagine if you can, the second member of the Godhead, sacrificing the treasures of heaven. I have no idea all that encompasses. Difficult for me to wrap my mind around the fact that a being who has always existed throughout all of eternity, who will always exist, was willing to sacrifice the treasures of heaven for whom? For us. What was it Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Christ died for us, according to the Scriptures. So we've got to sacrifice our treasures, and that would include on the first day of the week. We lay aside monetary funds for the advancement of the cause of Christ. Those funds are used to further the work of the church, the work of the kingdom. And then there is a sacrifice of our talents. Are you willing to use the talents or abilities that God has blessed you with to further the cause of Christ? Are you willing to do what you can to advance the kingdom in this community? That's great to help people around the world. That's important. But we've got to invest in this community. We've got to understand that there are people in this community that need the gospel. So first and foremost, Jesus, as a servant leader, impacts our attitude. But then secondly, it impacts our affections. Why do you think Jesus went to the cross? If you were to sum up the reason behind the cross, what would that be? Could I say it's love? Jesus demonstrated, number one, His love for the Father, didn't He? To accomplish His will. Now, we talk about being a servant leader. Our love is to be directed upward, isn't it? Didn't Jesus say we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? This is the first and great commandment. The Bible says in 1 John 4, we love Him because He first loved us. Everything that Jesus did was tempered by love, wasn't it? Love for the Father, love for the human family. And so the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated His love for the Father. That's why He was willing to be submissive, sacrificial. So as you think about being a servant leader, the depth of your service and leadership in the kingdom of God is borne out by the love that you have for the Father and for the Son. To love as God loved, to see as God sees, to act as God would have us to act. So there is this upward love that we're to demonstrate, vertical in nature. But then not only did Jesus love the Father, but He loved us. So there is upward love and outward love. 
Again, look at Matthew 22. Jesus said we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. The first and great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. A second like unto it, love your neighbor. In 1 John chapter 4, John said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who is born of God ultimately loves. Why? Because God is love. So how much do you love your fellow man? The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross, that He became obedient unto death, yes, even the death of the cross. Did you know that Jesus went to the cross because He had you in mind? Twenty centuries after the death of Christ on Calvary, and yet He went to Calvary, He went to Golgotha because He had you in mind. Listen to what Paul said, but God commends His own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is personal, isn't it? It's profound, yes. Here's what John said, 1 John chapter 4. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. We will never be the servant leader that we ought to be in the kingdom until we come to understand the love that God had for us and the love that we're to have for him and for others in this world. To love people. In John chapter 13, you remember Jesus washed the disciples' feet. The Passover is taking place. And so they're making preparation. And Jesus washes the disciples' feet. In washing their feet, He demonstrates a heart of servanthood, doesn't He? Now, in chapter 15, the Lord would say, Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus demonstrated he was the model of servanthood, wasn't he? And because he came to serve, he wants us to serve. So you have the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrating servant leadership. Number one, by his attitude. Number two, by his affections. But then thirdly, by his actions. Talk is cheap, as we have said from time to time. We know that. There are a lot of, folk, there are a lot of people in our world today, they talk a good game. But it's not merely talking the talk. It's walking the walk. So you look at the life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and you look at His heaven-sent mission, and you hear the Apostle Paul say, Have this mind in you, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. All right, Lord, what then are you teaching me by your life of servanthood, by your life of leadership? Number one, Jesus was a seeker, wasn't He? Do you remember in the home of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19? Jesus really summed up the thrust of his life, didn't he? When he said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. The Lord Jesus Christ was a seeker. When he saw Zacchaeus in that sycamore tree, he told him, come down, for I must 
be a guest in your home. Salvation has come to your house. There are people in this community, people that we interact with on a daily basis, the grocery, department stores, school, the office, in the neighborhood. We are being confronted day by day with people who need the gospel. Do you remember when Jesus said in the long ago, the fields are white to harvest? Do you think that there are people in this world today, they've tried the world, they've experienced what the world has to offer, and yet there is this sense of incompleteness in life. There's a void. There's something missing, isn't there? That something that's missing is God. Solomon said it well, fear God, keep His commandments. This is man's all. That's what life's about. So there are people that are groping in spiritual darkness. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Now you think about the people that have crossed paths with you over the course of this past year. Have you impacted their life for the better? In some way, have you tried to share the gospel with another, with another person? Have you invited anybody to services? Have you pointed anyone in the direction of some literature that might help them come to a better understanding of the will of God in their life? Have you had the opportunity to sit down one-on-one -on -one and open the Bible and say, okay, this is what the Bible says. And you need to understand that God loves you and God wants you to be saved. Have you done that over the course of this past year? If we want to see God pleased with our efforts then first and foremost, we're going to be seekers, just as Jesus was. Why? Because He was a servant leader. You don't have to be a preacher, elder, deacon, Bible class teacher, song leader. You don't have to wear some formal title or be involved in some formal work, so to speak, to seek the lost. And I can tell you why the church in many places is dying out. Because we have forgotten our mission. Jesus said, go therefore make disciples of all nations. In the time that I've lived in this area, I have been amazed at the number of congregations that at one time had literally hundreds of people that are on the verge of extinction. Brother Wendell Winkler said in the long ago, either evangelize or fossilize. Where will Olive Branch be in 20 years? Will there be a congregation in this community in 20 years? And don't say it won't happen to us. I can point you in the direction of congregations right now that are on life support. It's only a matter of time before they fold. They're done. They, they just haven't gotten the memo yet, but they're gone. And so if we want to be what the Lord wants us to be as a servant leader, we've got to seek the lost, don't we? There's a second thought. We've got to be willing to share. God has entrusted us with great wealth in this country. Despite all of our flaws in this nation, 
it's still the place where people want to come. People are crossing our border daily, now illegally, but they're crossing our border because in their heart of hearts, they know this is a place to live. I don't see people crossing borders to get outside this country, but I do see the reverse, don't you? So what about, what about this nation of affluence? I heard a fellow say one time, he said, I don't want to die with God's money in my bank. This was a faithful member of the church. Now look, God has blessed us with wealth, but that wealth is intended to be a blessing to other people. We we've been blessed, right? So we are the blessed who are to bless others. Here's what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Charge them that are rich in this present world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Why? That they may do good. That they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing, listen to him, to share. Willing to share. When Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, that fellow shared his time, and he shared his treasures with the man that was less fortunate than he. So we have that same opportunity to use what God has blessed us with to His glory, to His good. Third thing, that is, it is my conviction that we are to be supportive as talking about being a servant leader. I have the opportunity to support you. You have the opportunity to support me. We're all in this thing together. And there are times in life when we all struggle, when we all face trials, when life is not going as planned. And so what we need is the support of one another. Now here's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There are golden opportunities for you as a child of God to be a burden bearer. You know somebody hurting? You know somebody that's suffering? Do you know somebody that is in a less than ideal place in life? We all know people like that, don't we? Can't we support? Didn't Paul say in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, that we are to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice? Yes. We've got the opportunity to share our goods with others and to be supportive of other people. Look, people do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. Now, that's an old expression, but it's true. You know what it is that attracts people to Christ? He cared. He cared about people. And you think about what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, and tell me Peter didn't experience the caring attitude of Jesus. He said, casting all your care on Him. Here it is. For He cares for you. In a world filled with pride and prejudice, in a world filled with hate, 
Isn't it refreshing to look at the life of Jesus and see someone who modeled love, who demonstrated a compassionate, caring spirit? You remember in Mark 1 when a leper saw Jesus from afar, ran before Him, knelt down, and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Mark said that he was moved with compassion and touched him. Now let me tell you what, there are people in this world, there are people in this community, they're hurting, they're struggling. Life is not what they thought it would be. And we have the opportunity to share, to support to seek, to encourage. So let me close by asking you this question today. Do, do you view yourself as a servant leader? Whatever your station in life, whether male or female, young or old, do you see yourself as first and foremost a servant of the Lord? Jesus came to serve, didn't He? Remember the disciples? When they came to Jesus, or rather they, they came to the mother of James and John, or rather the disciples' mother came to Jesus, rather, and they wanted to sit, one on His right hand, the other on His left. And Jesus said, look, it, it's not about position in the kingdom but rather it's about serving one another. Isn't that true today? It's about serving one another. So I ask you tonight, or rather this morning, I ask you, are you a servant leader in the kingdom of God? If you're not, here, if you're not a Christian and you're here today, and you want to bask in the blessings of Almighty God, you want to enjoy forgiveness, you want to experience the peace of God in your life. You want to have the privilege of being a part of a divine body. The privilege of prayer. The presence of God daily in life. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to put your trust in Jesus as the Son of God. To recognize that Jesus is who He claimed to be. That's deity. To willingly leave the ways of this world to be baptized into Jesus so that all your sins can be washed away, to rise to walk in newness of life, and as Paul said, being set free from sin, you then become a servant of righteousness. Now if that appeals to you today, I would encourage you to come to Christ. Now if you're here and your life's not what it ought to be, maybe you have been on the sidelines and you haven't been a servant leader, could I encourage you to re-engage in the work, to understand we're a part of the greatest work on earth. That's the work of the Lord. To be about our Father's business, to do what we can to advance His cause while we have time and opportunity. Won't you come as we stand and sing?